0: Denver is the second highest market with the highest share of price drops. 58% of our listings are experiencing some kind of price reduction while they're in an active status. Howdy, howdy. Uh, Another episode of Denver's Market Moment. Um, Really fun stuff that's happening, of course. It's really crazy um, having some really fun conversations with sellers and buyers. I'm really excited about it. But before we hop into that, Scott's rocking uh, a nice beard, getting ready for Halloween. He had a really great weekend. How did that weekend go in the Ozarks? Yeah, it was great.
1: We we did a little family road trip down to Missouri. Um, we have a property down there. So we were kind of winterizing the property. When I go there, I don't shave. And then uh, we have a Halloween event coming up tomorrow. And so I'm rolling the no shaving, no haircut into my costume for tomorrow, it drives me insane. I can't yeah. grow a beard. I mean, I can grow a good beard, but it drives me crazy. So, apologize for the scruffy face. Got to get in. Got to get in spirit for Halloween tomorrow for our Yeah, <laughs> you could be
0: a, a victim or a survivor of the uh, the pandemic housing. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <know>. Yeah, <laughs> barely yeah. made it out alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So yeah. Anyway.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've just been finishing up my uh, food drive,
1: walked over 40 miles.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's so cool, though, like to give back to Food Bank of the Rockies. Growing up, there were a lot of times that that was the only way we had food on our table. So it's really cool to be fortunate enough to be able to give back. And I live in a great community, like my community is really showing up and officially kicked out of my garage. I can no longer park my car in the garage from all the food bank (sighs) donations. So I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. walking mile after mile. She's telling mm-hmm. me 40, 50 miles, got so mm-hmm. much food. You can't park a car in there. And, you know, now we're going to look at loading up trucks and delivering it. So super good yeah. cool for you. Great cause. Yeah. I'm
0: yeah. excited. I think it's going to be good. It's always a good cause. And if, uh, and I'll post this too, in our show notes, But if you are able to make a donation to Food Bank of the Rockies, um, you have the ability to make a monetary donation, which is super easy to do on their website. It could be a a reoccurring uh, donation, or it could just be a one-time gift. And it really goes a long way. That money is used for them to purchase in bulk items at negotiated rates from different vendors across the state. And Food Bank of the Rockies, I choose them because they disperse to so many small food banks who may not have the reach that food bank of the Rockies does. So it's really fun. I, I really enjoy being able to give back that way.
1: Yeah. Great organization. Yeah. We volunteer with them, load food trucks, help people mm-hmm. load those to, into people's cars and stuff. So yeah, every year we're doing some sort of volunteer work for them as well. Great, great organization. Yeah, Yep, for sure.
0: Well, um, you know, we are in a giving mood, so let's give you some statistics. Here we go. On what's happening in the market. Um, I cannot wait until the next week or two when I start to get October numbers Uh because I feel like October has been very volatile. Um, There's a lot that's been going on both from the housing side as well as the lending side. But for the past seven days, um, we have had some price reductions, 1,429 price reductions. Um, That is a little bit lower than what we had previously, one thing that I saw um, from Redfin, they published some statistics, and their statistics are from September. But Denver is the second highest state or market, I shouldn't say whole state, but the market with the highest share of price drops. 58% mm-hmm. of our listings are experienced some kind of price reduction mm-hmm. while they're in an active status. So that doesn't include, you know, any kind of negotiations that happen post-contract. So that's very interesting statistic. It means that we are doing some correction here. We've talked about this the past few weeks, that we really need to be realistic on how we put things on the market. I had, a, or I have a listing, and there is a there a, com, a competitor, a competing, list, competing listing went on, so it was listed for forty five thousand dollars less. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So I went and previewed the property and sure enough, they, they are similar enough that they could be a strong comparable. And that makes me a little nervous because they went under contract, um, 600,000, $45,000 in our list price. And that will screw up appraisal. If that is used as a comp, yeah. um, similar square footage, I might, my, my listing has more entertaining space, but. You know, Scott, as well as I do, they look at square footage above ground square footage and just basic amenities. So um, we'll see what happens once we go under contract, but that does make me a little nervous. Um, But it's what's happening right now. So we are going to start to see a lot of people coming and pricing to sell, and they are going under contract pretty quickly. So in those situations, um, I think that's a good example of a a well-priced home getting put under contract right away. Yeah. Um, we not are everything. seeing, I'm Correct. sorry, go ahead, Scott.
1: Nope, I would disagree with you. Obviously yeah. we've a lot of that stuff. So you know that mm-hmm. more than anybody.
0: Yeah. Um, so there are, we have seen a slowdown again, a uh, second week in a row, a reduction of the new listings popping into the market. That's not abnormal for this time of year. This time of year, things start to slow down. We might see a pop in November if we look at year over year trends because people might be wanting to get their house sold or getting to a new house. A lot of times if somebody is in buying a new construction or a new build, they close in December. So they might be looking to offload so that they can close because those builders are trying to close out their fiscal year. And so there's a lot of things that we might start to see. It'll be interesting to see with this correction and the, the increased uh, interest rates if we see that same pop. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Um, average list price went up uh, 657,000. So last week it was 607,000, which I thought was a little abnormally low because we had such a large drop. Um, we did see it pop back up, and I, I'm actually, this is more in line with what I'm expecting to see. So in the Denver metro area, 657,000. I exclude manufactured homes from that metric as well, just so it doesn't bring down that number at all. Um, and our average close price has gone down. Our average close price is down six four, to six forty nine from six fifty eight. So again, a second week downward trend, which falls in line with the number of price reductions that we talked about at the beginning of these stats. Um, We'll see what happens, but I think we're going to see that a little bit more. I don't expect a huge reduction. I'm not expecting people to be upside down or having to sell for a loss or break even. Um, But I do see some correction happening. And I think a lot of that is driven by buyer demand and buyer affordability and the affordability index. Uh, Days on market is holding pretty steady. We're looking at 30 days on market um, before we start to see any traction. I think we're going to get closer to 45 or 50 before the end of the year, just if the rates continue to increase those, those are going to continue to increase as well because sellers aren't quite ready to take on that gut punch of having to lower the price lower than what they thought they would. And, you know, when we have sites like Zillow that is using math and not looking at the true data and what's really happening in the market, um, it skews a lot of stuff. So their algorithm can't keep up with the market. And when someone logs on and they see their estimate, and they're like, wow, my house is worth 700,000. And I'm like, no, not really. I mean, yes, two months ago, houses were selling for 700,000, but now this is what we're looking at right now. Um, our close to list or close to original list price um, has gone up one percentage point. So I think, you know, just like we saw that dip last week, we're kind of settling back in, but we're at 96%. So not bad. We're only 4% lower than original list price. We did see a a week, if you recall, when we first started this market moment, where we were close to the low 90s, um, but we're inching back up. And I think a lot of that is people are starting to catch up to the market. So it's really interesting information. Some really fun stats. I... I think that um it's not anything to worry about right now. It it feels like it should be something to worry about but it's really not anything to worry about. These numbers are pretty normal for this time of year. There is some impact or some pressure from buyers with the interest rates because the affordability affordability index for Denver is really really low. And so we really need to be understanding of that when we're pricing our listings. Or when our listings are sitting for a little bit longer because the buyer pool is much smaller than it was 1% or 2% percentage points before. So I thought that was pretty fun stats, not anything that has me too freaked out. But I did find it very fascinating that we have the highest share of price drops in the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a unique number. And really just all of your stats, you know, I mean, just listening to you kind of go through this week after week, you know, I think that that brings a a massive amount of value to consumers who are thinking about listing their homes and going through this process. You know, and I work with a lot of agents throughout Denver and not a lot of them are in tune with these numbers and not just in tune with them, but what does it mean? What's the why behind them? And what what could you foresee coming, Right. And I, like, I love how you have all that stuff put together and not just reading it off, but understanding it. So, you know, anybody that's out there that's looking to sell their home in this type of market, understanding these things is really going to create that game plan for success moving forward. So pretty spot on. It's a lot of good information.
0: Yeah, really cool stuff. So what's going on on the mortgage side? Anything fun or I mean, that beard?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do go out and tell people like, hey, we're just trying to, you know, cut costs at home and razors are expensive. And so we're just trying to like, you know, minimize our overhead. But yeah, you know, the mortgage world is is kind of same week over week, right? It's still very volatile market. Um, interest rates are, are kind of they, they held kind of flat week over week, we actually saw a couple of positive days, we got kind of excited that we were maybe course correcting, then a couple more bad days, and you know when you look at the ups and flows and the peaks and valleys of it, it was really just kind of flat, week over week, kind of flat. So rates are still you know you know higher than normal, um, and we're still just kind of waiting for more economic indicators to come out with our inflation numbers and and cost of goods indexes and all these other things to figure out what will happen to our interest rates as time go up, goes on. So you know market is still there. Obviously in the lending world, there's there's creative products again to help consumers. You know, you talked about the affordability piece. Cool. We're having the same conversations on what. What are some creative tactics from the buyer side that we could negotiate in the contract to, you know, either get concessions from from seller, from lender, from 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 buyer, from agents, whatever that looks like to help reduce the interest rate, do a, a two one buy down. There's products that can ease that pain or that hurt a little bit of the higher interest rate. Um, so getting creative with that, we're seeing a lot of first time home buyers actually come back into the, into the market. Um, whereas before they had a really hard time, you know, in the earlier parts of the years, those first time home buyers that, you know, maybe only have five or $10,000 to buy a house and, and homes were going for 50 or a hundred thousand dollars over. they, they they, they really didn't have success because they didn't have the funds to try to compete in that world. Well, now this is their world, right? This is the uh, quote unquote, maybe buyer's market, but this is their world where they're able to compete a little bit more. There's more inventory. There's less competition. They can get a little bit more love. So we're starting to see a lot of those programs and those buyers kind of come back.
0: Nice. Which is a perfect segue into this week's topic. Um, so last week we kind of gave you a teaser to let y'all know, we are going to be talking about first time home and really digging into what your options are as a first time home buyer. Um, Scott said it perfectly that this is your time to shine. Like there is so much opportunity right now. There isn't a lot of heartache as a first time home buyer other than the interest rates. But you know, you're know you paying 100% interest on rent right now, and rents are going to continue to rise. So you may as well take advantage of something to stabilize your. your uh, your outflow. So Scott, can you talk a little bit about what are the types of programs that you offer to first-time homebuyers and kind of explain, you know, we could talk about programs, we can talk about down payment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people think they have to put massive down payments and that's certainly not true for anybody, not even just first-time homebuyers, but can we talk first about what are those programs that are available to a first-time home buyer
1: yeah that's great there's there's a number of different programs out there and there's also a number of different um marketing pieces out there right and some some will market it as a either a first-time home buyer or an educator or a first responder or something like that right when you really get down to the to the to the basics of these programs is they are, a kind of a down payment assistance program, right? So, for that first time home buyer that might only have, you know, 10,000 or less to purchase a home, these programs are perfect for them. And so, there's a couple of different programs out there. There's a statewide program called CHAFA, there's a Denver Metro program that we really, really like. And they all have different qualifications, right? They have credit qualifications, income qualifications. Um, you know, so as a, as a consumer, as a buyer coming into it, you know, when we do have those conversations, we're kind of, you know, filling out applications and figuring out which product is going to be the best for them at the end of the day, it's, it's a percentage based product. And so, um, you know, when you're looking to get, uh, assistance on your down payment or your closing costs. These programs have a couple of different avenues, but for the majority, it's a 4% assistance. So 4% of your loan amount can go towards your third-party fees and your closing costs, down payment, all that stuff. Um, What it kind of basically does is it alleviates, I don't know, 70% of all of the down payment and closing costs, and it leaves about 30% left over for the consumer. And so that's how you're able to ease it. Um, Let's just use some round numbers. Let's say the, the buyer gets... $15,000 in down payment assistance help. Um, The the, the programs work a little bit differently. One of the programs, uh, basically that money will sit on the property as a second mortgage. They don't incur interest. There's no payments. None of this money does anything but sit there. But when the buyer sells the property in the future, that money gets paid back to that entity from the equity of their home. So I borrowed $15,000. Um, I sold my property later for $65,000 profit. Cool, I'm going to pay back my $15,000. And then I walked away with fifty. dollars So really great product because the consumer can get into it. They're still investing into their home. They're just choosing to make the investment later out mm-hmm. of the equity of the property instead of today out of their bank account. So that's a great product. There's another one that is actually forgivable. So if the consumer is in the home, for at least three years, at the end of the three years, that 15,000 is forgivable. And so same scenario, right? Five years goes by, you sell for 65, you keep 65. So either one of them works, right? At the end of the day, whatever program that buyer fits into is still a bigger benefit because at the end of that five years, typically your your ROI is a positive and you're Mm -hmm. earning income or profit off of the, the purchase of that home. Um, and so it makes sense. And again, what we're starting to see now is if if we are at negotiating tables with the seller mm-hmm. and the property is listed for 400 and we're thinking of maybe coming in a little bit lower, uh, 390 or something, and we're trying to get a deal, you know, the, the again, the relationship between the buyer, uh, the lender, and the agent is crucial in those negotiations because we would rather give them a price that they're comfortable with in return get the credit or the concession. And so um, you know, hypothetically, if you know you're purchasing the home using these programs and your out-of-pocket expense is eight thousand dollars, but the seller gives you seven thousand dollars in you know credits or concessions, then technically you can buy that house for a thousand bucks. So we're starting to see that now, that, that first-time home buyer that has maybe you know 8 to 10 or maybe $5,000 can buy a home for as little as $1,000 and again not have to pay anybody anything back until they choose to sell their house later it's phenomenal so we get a that lot of people really super nice. interested in that again yep
0: yeah and that's just to clarify we're not financing 100% or 101% or what we saw a few years back this is actually putting down money creatively towards the down payment.
1: Yep, 100%. And so, you know, every again, all those programs have different qualifications and, um, you know, limits, income limits, all those kinds of things. And so we'd love Mm -hmm. to connect with anybody, answer any of those questions. But you know, on the, on the majority of, of kind of the contracts we're seeing, we're getting some type of seller love, some type of seller contribution or credit. Mm-hmm. And that first time home buyer is, is hitting home runs and the grand slams all day long, because again, they're out there potentially purchasing these homes for, you know, a thousand, two thousand uh, $2,000. And it's a great ROI at the end of it. It's phenomenal.
0: I heard something um, and I can't remember where I heard this from, but even if you've owned a home in the past many years ago yeah you would still qualify if you're yes. not currently owning a home as a first time home buyer do you can you talk a little bit about that or
1: yeah phenomenal question right so we we hear first time home buyer so there's a couple things to that question we hear first time home buyer and we assume that it's true to that nature right like you could have never owned a home the actual definition of first time home buyer is not owning a home within the past 3 years Hmm. Okay, so that's the true definition. And with a couple of these programs, we've helped people purchase a home with these assistance programs. And down the road, they have sold the home and literally repurchased the next home with the same program. Okay, so there are um, true first time homebuyer programs that you could have not owned a home within that three years. But that's the misconception because there are other programs that are down payment assistance programs that you can buy the home, sell the home and use that program again if you choose to. You just have to know which one you fit into and do you qualify. So that's kind of a a weird buyer stigma out there and some some false information. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we can easily steer and guide people on that. But you can easily use the program and turn around and use it again if you qualify the right way.
0: I think that's really good because what I saw happened more often than i'd liked to see was folks in the beginning of the covid market sold their house mm-hmm. and then the covid market got crazy while they were living in a short term rental and then became long term rent renters no. so if they hold out for a little bit longer they might qualify for a lot of these programs and qualify for all these down payment assistance does it matter in how like if they have assets so like for example a couple of people I've seen this happen to, they walked away from the sale of their house with a decent amount of profit, like upwards yep. of a hundred thousand. Yep. So, if they still have that amount of money sitting in the bank, does that impact their ability to take advantage of these programs?
1: Nope, not at all, not at all. Nice. What you basically do in that world is you show them kind of both options. You say, mm-hmm. "Hey, if you wanted to use the equity that you just you just made off of the sale, here's what a normal you know standard conventional loan would look like hey here's an option where you can use assistance if you if you chose to um we had have some folks that you know didn't quite profit a hundred thousand but walked away with a good amount maybe forty thousand and they could have easily just used that for the down payment but the next home that they found was was like perfect lot perfect size. Perfect community, perfect views, perfect everything, but it was kind of stuck in the 90s or something, right? And mm-hmm. instead of investing everything into the property, they used this program, which freed up their cash flow. Then they could turn it into and redo the floors and paint the walls and update it, which obviously brings value to the home. And so right. it's just a creative way to channel the money to have it make the most sense for whatever that buying scenario would be.
0: And that, folks, is exactly why you need to work with a good lender, because a lot of lenders will just say, oh, well, you have that money. All right. We're going to put you in conventional instead, like really understanding the big picture of it all and finding the solution that best works both for you financially and for you to be able to like live in this house comfortably. So yep. it, 100, you just totally proved to everybody why it's important to work with someone like you.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that comment. And you know, what we try to do on our side is really just educate, provide information, advise where it's needed. But a lot of times when you're doing this and you're showing multiple paths, and whether you're not using this program or you know, you you've sold the home, you have equity, cool, you can invest it into your home, but maybe you can invest things other places and diversify a little bit. Like we try to provide a bunch of different options for consumers they then go and talk about it at dinner and try to figure out what's the best. Typically when you do that, um, the path shows itself, right? As Mm -hmm. you start to explore option A or B or C or D, eventually you're like, cool, I know which way I'm going to go. And then then that's the direction. And typically that direction is the right direction. So Mm -hmm. providing more than just one path is is 100% crucial, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really, Valuable, especially with first time um, home buyers, because a first time home buyer has a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that are so unknown that, from when you watch like television, you know, we all know HGTV, they don't even talk about the pre qualification side, which drives me nuts because, it's like, you got to get pre qualified before I can show you a house. Yeah. That's step one, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. We
0: have to make sure that we are showing you a house that is within your means. Um, I just remember like there was a show on HGTV. I can't remember what it was called, but the two brothers, the two twins where they would go and take uh, buyers to this beautiful house and they would be like, yeah, but you don't qualify for this. Sorry, it's not in your budget. And then they would kind of try to sell them on, you know, updating a home that needs some work, but you don't want to have that feeling because If you go and look at something that's outside of your budget, you're constantly comparing other things to that home when you shouldn't have compared it to that in the first place. So it's really important to really understand what your numbers are first. Um, In addition to kind of what we're talking about in the financing side, my YouTube channel, I do have a series 90 days to homeowner where I go into detail and I put you in, I send you a weekly email as well. Um, for that time period where we talk about like, what are all of the stages in the home buying process? What does it mean to go through an appraisal? What are all the points in the contract? What are all the points in the contract where you can decide that this isn't the right home for you? Does the financing not work? Is there too much issues with foundation or anything that are found during finance or during the appraisal? So we walk through what that process looks like And then today we talked a lot about what those programs look like that are available to you. Um, If you want to know what that looks like, or you want to start your journey, I will provide a link to that 90 day homeowner challenge, which will then um, trigger a call from both Scott and I, or we'll reach out to you or somebody from Scott's team will reach out to you to find out what your timeline looks like. It doesn't have to be in 90 days. It could be in six months and we can really help you find a roadmap. If your numbers aren't where you want him to be today, his team's amazing at helping you create a roadmap to get you to where you want to be. And so those two things, those two points in that workflow or that journey, I like to call it the 90 day to homeowner journey really helps folks to really step into homeownership and start that first step in building generational wealth. Real estate, like we talked about many times is a path to creating wealth. And in my opinion, it's one of the lowest barriers of entry to being able to do that. When you have strong partners, that will help you. And with these down payment assistance programs, you have so much opportunity to get you in the door. And like Scott said, there are so many opportunities to get a house with a thousand dollars down. And I'm sure you can find a thousand dollars. We're coming up on, um, Tax what is a uh, refund time? I don't know what that is, I haven't had one of those in a while, but yeah. tax refund time, <laughs> yeah. where a lot of folks will start to save that so they can start to buy a home before that time starts. Let's yeah. get you a plan to make sure you're ready when that happens.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, do you
0: have anything to add?
1: That's uh, just a ton of great information right there. You know, I think at the end of the day typically buying a home is the biggest purchase we make, whether it's your fifth or 10th or whatever, it's still typically the biggest financial decision, especially if it's your first, right? So Mm -hmm. that first home really should be gathering information, feeling confident with the people around you. It's a triangle of trust. It's the buyer, it's the agent, and it's the lender providing accurate information. Uh, I just had a conversation with the first time home buyer who hasn't even talked to his lender. And I can't get a hold of anybody at the end of the day, right? This process should be educational. Communication should be seamless. And as a first time home buyer, you should feel very confident when you're out there writing offers because of all of the work that's led up to that point. Applications, pre-approvals, gathering information, talking about loan scenarios, communicating with your agent on strategy. Like there's a lot that goes into it, but with the right partners, again, tons of success happening right lot of a lot of W's with trying to get properties for low price points but you know that that first one for that first time home buyer you know got to be open communication with accurate information and uh, right you, you'll find a ton of success in this type of market Yeah so awesome.
0: Yeah. So thank you everybody for joining us. I, hopefully you've grabbed some good tidbits. This is just surface, right? If you want to really dig in and know exactly what your situation is going to look like, give us a call. We'll get you hooked up and we will help you with that journey. This is your most important, um, one of your most important purchases in your entire life. And you need to have strong partnerships and we're happy to help you to get that done. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week.
1: Cool. Bye.
0: Bye.